And I pray this in your name. Amen. Um, so what you guys have just been through, especially if you're new here, like uh, freshman or transfer, and you get here and there's just like bonanza of orientation. And uh, every year I think about this at the activities fair, which was last night, you know, we're like throwing things at people and handing stuff and people like either want it or don't. And it's like chaos. And like you meet people and then two seconds later you forgot that you met them and they come back to the table and they're like, what's your name? And they're like, I told you that 40 seconds ago. Um, but it reminds me of... Um, an awful restaurant called Applebee's, if you've had the delight of being in one. And you, but you know how when you, like, you go to your neighborhood Applebee's and you walk in and there's just like all these decorations around and the, the waiter's wearing like all these buttons and pieces of flair and you get in and there's like three different types of menus and there's like a Rolodex of drinks on the table and you're just kind of bombarded with like all this stuff and you're just kind of like, I don't know what I want. Like, this, like why is your menu in a binder? Like, what am I, like, why is this so big? And um, you feel that way at this moment of just like there's so much stuff and so many things competing for your attention um, and, and you're trying to figure it all out. And I hope that tonight will give you just a little bit of a snapshot in our little part of the Applebee's extravaganza of sort of what RUF uh, is and what it's about um, and, and really uh, that we would be taking our cues uh, from Paul and from, from the scripture. Uh, and the, he's giving this little picture of this church, even in just these few verses, of not, it's not what I'm going to say RUF is about, but it's what we want to be about. It's what we would long to become and long uh, to be. And the first thing is Christ. We want to be about Christ. This is, this is what this uh, place is supposed to be about. Did you notice in the first uh, two verses, Paul says Christ three times. Uh, in, in, in this greeting where I would say, like, dear John, He's giving this, you know, he's saying Christ, Christ, Christ. He says he's a servant of Christ with Timothy who is with him. He calls the people saints in Christ. And then he says grace and peace from Christ and his father. Um, This idea that he's a servant of Christ. uh, You could translate servants slaves. But Paul is saying that Christ is so much at the center that his whole identity is wrapped around him. He's saying I belong to him and everything I do is for him. This is who I am, my friend Timothy and I. Um, it has transformed how he identifies himself. Uh, it's his title. Like, I'm, I'm a minister, and uh, so my title is reverend, which means revered one. So <laughs> just go ahead and revere me just for a moment. Just take a moment. And I feel your reverence. Um, not Paul. Servant. Servant of Christ. I am his and everything I do is for him. That's his identity. But he also identifies the people he's writing to. This church he helped uh, start. Um, he, saw, he calls them saints in Christ. And saint is not, you know, we get this image of like, you know, a painting of like a guy and he's got his fingers up or whatever. You know those like saint pictures and they're like, what's up? Uh, <laughs> that's not a saint in the Bible. <laughs> that's not how the Bible uses the word saint. Um, it's not someone who's been canonized. Uh, it, it's a, it literally just means a holy one. And he's saying it to the whole congregation, the whole, all the people there. Holy ones. And holy is this word that means that you're both set apart for God, but also that you've been made pure by him. He's saying, you are saints. You are saints in Christ. You're set apart. And the way he thinks of his own identity as servant and the way he thinks of others when he looks at them is he says, you're holy. You're the holy ones. 
in Christ because Christ is so much the center of his worldview and the way he thinks about everything. And then finally, grace and peace from Christ and God our Father. Um, and here we see this amazing thing. There's these two super loaded terms, and Paul loved to put this in his letters, grace and peace to you, grace and peace to you. Grace uh, is this concept that's saying that you get something that you don't deserve. Uh, you, get, uh, you deserve something bad and you get something good. Uh, you guys know who Bono is, you too, the big glasses. This is an amazing quote from Bono on grace. He says, the thing that keeps me on my knees at night is the difference between grace and karma. You see, at the center of all religions is this idea of karma. What you put out comes back to you, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Or in physics and physical laws, every action is met by an equal or opposite one. It's clear to me that karma is at the very heart of the universe, he says. And yet, along comes this idea called grace to upend all of that. Love interrupts the consequences of your actions. Love interrupts the consequences of your actions, which in my case is very good news, he says, because I've done a lot of stupid stuff. And then the interviewer, this is in an interview, and he's like, tell me more about that. <laughs> you know, like, tell me about the stupid stuff. He says, I'd be in big trouble if karma was going, to finally get, was going to finally be my judge. It doesn't excuse my mistakes, but I'm holding out for grace. I'm holding out that Jesus took my sins onto the cross because I know who I am, and I hope that I don't have to depend on my own religiosity. You hear what he's saying? Like, everything around me is you get what you pay for. And this idea of grace comes along and is, is setting me free. And then the interviewer says, the Son of God who takes away the sins of the world. I wish I could believe in that. Uh, which is a fascinating statement. It's, but that's this idea of grace. And Paul is saying, grace to you. Grace has interrupted. Love has inter- interrupted the consequences of your actions. And that is the heart of his message. But it's not just this sense of grace that, like, spared of negative consequences it's also this idea that peace comes and peace in the bible like when we think about peace we think about just things being cool we might think of like inner peace uh master shifu uh uh or just like we're not at war uh but peace in the bible is this very different thing it's this idea that the prophets would talk about the word they would use for it was shalom and shalom is this idea that everything has been set right in the world that, that things are the way that they're supposed to be, that human beings are connected and flourishing with one another, uh, that you're not jealous when your friend gets a better grade than you. That's shalom. Uh, marriages are stable, and children are treated with love and respect. That's shalom. Um, this idea that, that, that things are the way they should be, And we all have a concept of that. Whether you're the biggest skeptic in the world, you have some sense of like, man, things seem really off. (laughs) This is not like shalomi, what I'm feeling. But I have a concept of the way that it could be. And this idea of what Paul calls the gospel, this idea of grace and peace from Christ is like, not just like you're forgiven, which is amazing, but I've come to restore you, says God. I've come to set things right. I've come to make things whole and healed and flourishing the way they were meant to be. That's uh, the heart of his message. And so that's what we want to be about. What does it mean for a, a ministry or a group of people to be about something like that? It means that you treat people like it's okay before everything's okay. That's grace. 
We all function on karma. We all are judging everybody around us and wanting them to measure up in one way or another. And we want to say, well, that's not how Jesus has dealt with me. I'm going to extend that to you. Even to such a way to say things, are, things can be whole here. Things can be restored. We can grow. We can change. We can be together. We can have some shalom. A little, little bit of it here. So what happens when this idea of Jesus shaping our mutual identities and pouring out grace and peace on us, um, when that gets into a group of people, the next natural thing that happens, if we mutually understand that, is community. Um, RUF is called Reform University Fellowship. That's the fellowship part, right? There's this idea that uh, there's community, and you see it here. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, making my prayer with joy, he says. Um, He has this thankful, prayerful, joyful relationship with these people. Even though he's in Rome and they're here and he's in prison, he's saying, when I just think about you, I'm, I'm thankful and I have joy. Uh, Paul gets like super gushy later on in verse 8. We won't, do, we won't look at it tonight, but I'm going to read it to you. Listen to this. He says, For God is my witness. Like strong stuff. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. I yearn for you? Like if I said that to you guys... I would get so fired, like, so fast. It'd be like calling your parents, like, the RUF guy said he yearns for us. Like, I, don't, I, don't think he should, I don't think he should be doing this. Um, but Paul is, he's, he's, he, it's, it's this high, high language of just this overflow of affection, of longing, of being connected. And it makes sense. If you believe in grace and you believe in shalom and you believe I'm a slave of Christ, and you believe you're holy, you're set apart, you're pure in him. This is amazing. I love you. I yearn for you. <laughs> I yearn for you. Um, it, it's really unbelievable. But this, is, uh, this whole idea of when your identity shifts, it changes your behavior and your relationships. Uh, it's all through the Bible. But we experience it all the time. Some of you, like if you just got here, you've already begun to experience it over orientation. Like, do what? Do punt. <laughs> you, all the cheers they make you do, the, the yellow shirts, like, and you're like, suddenly, like, at first you're like, oh, man, and then you're like, all right, that's weird, we're doing it. Yeah, you're doing it, let's do this. Um, or you grew up your whole life cheering for Virginia Tech, but as soon as there's this tribe pride thing kicks in, and you're going to go to the, like, a third of you are going to go to a game. <laughs> you're going to go to a football game. Uh, and you're going to cheer. I'm, I grew up in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, which is like University of Alabama. And just, I just caught myself saying to someone the other day, I'm like, yeah, we won five national championships in the last nine years. Like, we been? Really? Like, we won? You know? But it has changed. Like, I, you have this identity, and it affects your behavior, and it affects the way you connect with other people who do or don't have that identity. If I'm going to scream about tribe pride, which I have before. I was there the night we beat UVA, like, a decade ago, uh, almost. It was incredible, and I was like, "We did it!" You know, like it was, un- it was, it was amazing. Um, but if it changes, if if that something that little, like a football team, can affect your identity and who you love, and what you sing, and how you talk, and how you identify yourself, like how much more if the God of the universe is real and He has come to be with you and He said, "You're my holy one." 
I've come to make things right. You and I have peace. Oh, it's transformative. It's amazing. And that's what we mean by the word fellowship, right? Um, is that what we are? Yes and no. That's what we want to be. But just like in this church in Philippi, later on, uh, Paul's going to call out two leaders in the church, these two women, Yodi and Synthike, who are arguing with each other. And later in the, in the book, as we get to in Philippians, he like calls them out in the letter to the whole, like everybody's reading it. Can you imagine? I did that. <laughs> I yearn for you and you too. Cut it out. Like, stop. You know, like by name, and everybody hears it read. They weren't perfect, and, and neither are we. And yet it's still true that they're saints in Christ, that they're holy ones, according to Paul. Um, we're gonna struggle, we're gonna hurt each other, and we're gonna love each other and forgive each other as best we can. Because Christ is at the center. That's that's our goal. That's what we want to be. And then so what happens when the gospel starts getting into people, this grace and peace stuff. It starts happening in a community. The next thing, what does that community then do? He says, uh, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, verse 5, it gives you purpose. It's like centered on Christ, deep community, and real purpose. He says, your partnership in the gospel this idea of partnership in the gospel is this idea that they are with Paul in, in part of the idea, the notion of gospel just means good news. So good news doesn't just sit there. News has to be told. News has to be shared. News has to be extended. And so he's saying our partnership in the gospel is our living and in, in together as we love and extend grace and holiness and peace to each other. We want that to extend that out, to love our neighbors as ourselves, to love and serve this campus is... Alexander said, have a common goal and a purpose, and that purpose is proclaiming Jesus and sharing his grace and love with other people. And that's what, that's what we want to be. That's what we want to do. Um, which uh, is actually kind of what fellowship implies. <laughs> it's what it's uh, kind of supposed to mean. Because real community only happens when you have a, co- like you have a common identity, but also a common goal. That's why the, the people in Band of Brothers, those who are still living, still get together every year. Because they were in a foxhole together. Because they fought together. Um, because they had a purpose together. Community happens in mission. And mission happens through community in the gospel sense. As we love one another, it becomes this reflection of the Trinity, of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we can't, any of us can't do that by ourselves. So as we love, we extend the mission. And that's really what the word fellowship should mean too. <laughs> Um, usually if you grew up in the church like when you heard the word fellowship it, mean, it meant like casseroles or coffee or something you know um, that's not what the, what's not what the Bible means uh, with fellowship and I'm really super thankful um, okay I'm like nerd out okay for the fellowship of the ring from the Lord of the Rings um, I read I tried to find the picture this afternoon and couldn't um, but a few years ago I read the fellowship or the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit out loud to my kids uh, with voices. I'm not going to do the voices. But I did it. And I'm a huge, like, because I want to just make them nerds. That's my goal. Uh, and so, um, uh, but that idea of the fellowship of the ring, if you saw the movies or know the story at all, there's these, you know, we got to destroy this evil ring. And then all of a sudden, these people, dwarves and men and elves and bull, uh, <laughs> unite together around that purpose. 
And I, I love the relationship between the dwarf and the elf, Gimli and Legolas. They don't like each other, but then the more they pursue this common goal together, the more they are part of the fellowship based on a common goal and a common good, they become best friends, right? And I love that scene. It's in the movie. It's not so much in the book, but where the Aragorn the king looks, looks over his shoulder, and they're going into certain death. And he just looks back at his brothers, and he says, for Frodo. And then they, you know, they charge in. I love like the little hobbit like waving his sword like he should not be there. <laughs> you know, this is a bad idea. And that's you and me. Like Jesus looks over his shoulder and he says, follow me. For the cross. For the kingdom. Let's go. And we shouldn't be there. But he's invited us in and he's brought us together and made us one. And that's what we want this to be. That's my hope for you. That's the leaders of RUF who are here. Uh, who You'll be hearing from some of them in a minute. But that's what we want to be about, and I hope you'll stick around uh, in the extravaganza of it all. And thank you for giving me your time and attention here. We're going to sing a couple more songs, uh, but let me pray.